All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Always a privilege filling in for the great Charlie James. How you guys doing? Will's here with me. That's always a thrill. How you doing, bud? Excellent. Good to have you. Very good to have you. So it's interesting because this is the kind of week that, you know, I've done radio for a while, and normally this is the week that I take off uh, because I did radio full-time for so many years. So now that I'm not doing it full-time, this is the week that I sometimes fill in for other people who are taking off. (laughs) And uh, so it's it's great that people like Charlie can get some time off. And I know my friend Ryan Recker filled in for Tara. He did a great job this morning. So it's nice that they get some time off. Very important. Not only is it a great time to get off if you can, and I know everybody can't, you know, God bless the, the doctors and the truckers and the people who are out there, the military folks who are working all the time. I get it that you don't get the holidays off. God bless them. But when you're in media, not only is it a good week to take off just because you're just burnt and you want that extra time after Christmas, but because there's nothing, well, let me, it's not that nothing's happening. It's just that everyone else is on vacation in media. So (laughs) I got really early this morning, kept looking at the news and is there news? Is there, and then I went, oh yeah, it's the 26th, everybody's off. That's why there's hardly any news being generated, but we still have tons to talk about today on the Charlie James show, but that's because it, it's almost like a gentleman's agreement. You know how in a lot of states, the car dealerships are all closed on Sundays, kind of a gentleman's agreement. It's that's kind of in the media. So by, and we'll get to the Chick-fil-A story coming up later on closed on Sundays. We'll get to that. We've got so much to get to today. Got a Nikki Haley update. I know y'all love her. Uh, yeah, always fun. No, we've got other stuff besides politics to talk about. Common Sense Retirement Planning text line. Let's get that out there right away. What I suggest you do is put, just put it in your phone under 989 word. Just put it in your phone or under Charlie or Tara, whoever your favorite is, Bill Frady, whatever. Put it in your phone, 71307. 71307. Just put it in there. That way, when you got something you want to say and you're thinking, what was that number again? Because I know how I am. If I, I can hear a number 5 million times, and then when I want to call that number, I go, what was it again? So 71307 is the Common Sense Retirement Planning text line, and the GS Plumbing Talk line is 800-905-0989. Hope you all had a good Christmas. Hope you had a meaningful Christmas. You know, it's a tough year for time of year for a lot of people. Uh, it's a good time of year for many people, children, especially if you've got kids and grandkids. And it's not that Christmas is about the gifts. We know it's not. It's about the gift. Those of us who are people of faith understand that it's about the gift and how the entire world was changed by the birth of our Savior. That's how we Christians see it. But it can be very hard on people who've lost loved ones or who are going through a tough time, divorce, you know, separation, whatever. You know, I've been that kid, went over to some friend's house yesterday on Christmas and uh, there were just wonderful people. I've known these folks forever. But in this particular group of people, there was uh, a wife, an ex-husband, her current boyfriend, children, uh, everybody getting along. You know, it's been a while, so everybody's getting along. And I've been that kid, boy. I have been that kid at the holiday season. When you have to make a decision, you shouldn't have to, but it does happen sometimes where you are expected as a child to decide, especially when you get old enough to actually have a say, 
who you're going to spend Christmas with. And that drives me crazy. I got to tell you, I don't think kids should have to make that decision. So I think it's wonderful if there's any way, if you're a divorced couple, whatever, you can make it work with his, mine and ours, whatever, because it benefits the kids tremendously. So uh, I was I was glad to see it. It's never happy to see a family break up. Obviously, nobody likes to see that. But it was nice to uh, see uh, people getting along. And I know it, it can be a very, <laughs> it can be a crazy time. I know. Like I said, I'm a child of divorce. But it was good. Will, did you have a good one? Good Christmas? Good quiet Christmas? I I did, actually. I didn't do much of anything at all. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to lie. After I came, well, we had Christmas Eve at church, obviously. And then Christmas Day, went over to our friend's house. And I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to sound pious when I say this, but the truth is, I came home, turned on football, and took a nap. (laughs) Am I a bad person? No, no. I mean, literally, all I did was what I woke up around noonish. And then I went downtown with a friend for a little bit. We grabbed some Starbucks. And uh, yeah, that was that. Yeah, I was, I just was. There's just so much that goes on during Christmas that I think by the time Christmas Day comes, a lot of people are just wiped out. Right. Yeah. It, it, all the expectations and the shopping. And, and it's not that you want it to be commercial. It just somehow comes out that way. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, there's this to do and that to do. And I didn't I didn't even get Christmas cards out this year. My husband and I took a cross-country trip. I, I know I've talked about that previously on Charlie's show, but my husband and I took a cross-country trip for a month in November. And I thought, oh, good. I'll, it'll, I'll have something great to talk about in my Christmas cards. Well, never got the cards out because I came home and I was so buried and behind and everything. It didn't happen. And that's another thing. Can we talk about how Christmas cards have become nothing but people sending pictures of their families and not mentioning anything about Jesus? <laughs> right? Just, I mean, well, Christmas card, like, what is it? Or, you know, or you just send the little digital thing, too, you know? It's oh, just, I hate e-cards. Right. I hate e-cards. I hate them. Don't send me one. Uh, not a big fan. But, yeah, but the, Christmas has become... This whole thing where people just send a picture of, oh, look how great we are. We send a picture of ourselves. One person I know sent an entire card, both sides completely script about what they did. I mean, this whole long, huge, not even a paragraph, a whole dissertation on what they did the whole year. And, uh, you know, whatever. I, <laughs> I don't have that much time. To do. One time my husband on a years ago. And our friends still talk about this. We got so tired of our, some people we know who, by the way, are since divorced, uh, putting out pictures of themselves at Christmas with their fancy schmancy clothes on, you know, practically uh, dressing like the Kardashians and doing this big thing, right? And so we did our own Christmas car. What we did is, many of you know, I'm from Vegas. We went out to the desert. Okay, picture this, if you will, Will. We go out to the desert. We find a couch in the desert. Okay, that's not hard to find. But I am not making this up when I tell you we found a package of tinsel. I'm not lying. Somebody, because people just dump stuff in the desert, like they'll do in the woods. You know, they'll just dump stuff if in certain places, right? They dumped tinsel. So we took the tinsel, we wrapped it around a mesquite bush, and we put the couch in front of it and took a picture of us sitting on it with our dogs and said, this is Christmas in Vegas. So it was just like a whole unopened package of tinsel? Yes, I'm. I'm not. I'm not even kidding. How that happened, I don't know. We could have lived without the tinsel, but it was so funny that it was out there in this pile because you're going through piles of junk that people leave out there. So we dragged the couch over in front of this bush. We get the tinsel. Couldn't believe we found it. 
wrap it around the bush in a haphazard way because there wasn't a lot of tinsel there. And we actually did a Christmas card with our, with our dogs on the couch, which, by the way, was missing a cushion. <laughs> and we took a picture of it, and we <laughs> – I should post it on my uh, – maybe I'll put it on my Facebook later if I can find it. But we did this, and it, it our friends still talk about it and laugh about it because it was just so funny. And I don't think it was that original, but it was just kind of a – you know, a uh, salute to the people who send out these big, obnoxious, uh, professionally photographed things. I don't know. That's how I felt about it. But anyway, it was funny. It was kind of cute. I'll, I'll try to post it up on Facebook later. We'll see how it goes. All right. Lots to get to today on the Charlie James Show. There's a lot of talk now about loneliness. You've heard about that even... Uh, even people in the administration, Biden administration, are even talking about loneliness and how it's a factor with people. And this time of year, it can be a real problem. We're going to talk a little bit about that and this whole idea of, of why people are so lonely. And I got some ideas for how you might be able to, you know, make it a little bit easier on yourself. We'll get to that and much, much more on the Charlie James Show. I'm Heidi Harris in for Charlie James. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Good afternoon. Always a privilege sitting in for Charlie James as he enjoys some well-deserved time off. I just posted on the Heidi Harris Show Instagram and Facebook page, both of those. I put a little the picture of that Christmas card. What'd you think, Will? You checked it out. That was really good. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I mean, we just pulled a couch, you know, in the desert or in the woods, too. You can always find people who throw furniture out there and all that kind of stuff. So and I know people's wheels are turning. They're going, we would do that next year. If I need just a ratty couch and sit on it and go, hey, here's how we're living. How you doing? <laughs> so it's on the Heidi Harris Show Facebook page or also on the Heidi Harris Show Instagram page. Yeah, good stuff. All right, so loneliness is a big deal. And everybody's talking about it, including the Surgeon General of the United States. And it's a big problem, especially at the holidays for people, whether they've lost somebody they love, and a lot of people have suffered loss, and ho the holidays obviously are very difficult. If you've lost somebody recently, or I don't care if it's 20 years ago, especially if it's during the holiday season, that you've lost somebody, and there's that constant reminder. But loneliness is a big problem, and it's an epidemic. And they're saying, according to U.S. Surgeon General Dr. Vivek Murphy, Murthy, he said, most of us think of loneliness as a bad feeling, but it turns out that loneliness has far greater implications for our health when we struggle with a sense of social disconnection, being lonely or isolated. Now, of course, you got to remember, this is coming from the Biden administration. They couldn't wait to shut us in our houses for a couple of years and destroy anybody's social connection, right? We know what happened during the pandemic. 
or the pandemic, as a lot of people call it. We know what happened. They didn't care about the damage that was done to people socially, especially children. I mean, if you're married and you like your spouse, uh, it probably wasn't the worst thing in the world unless it cost you a lot of money financially. Some people weathered through it okay. They all stay home. I love my husband anyway. It's okay. But people who had children who had no one to play with because either their friends, parents were terrified they were going to get sick or they couldn't go to school or whatever. It was just devastating for them and their social life and all the things that they count on as kids. Uh, so it was very, very hard. And then if you're somebody who's alone, it makes it more difficult. And if you're somebody who's got health problems, loneliness is terrible because the reality is, and I have a relative who's pretty sick, and the reality is that once you get very, very sick, at some point you don't really want to see people. Maybe you don't feel like you look your best or whatever. And then on the other hand, some people just don't want to come visit. You know, a lot of people are your friends and they'll come out, they'll go to the mall with you. Who goes to the mall, right? But, you know, they'll go shopping with you, go to the farmer's market, you know, whatever the, the deal is that you do together. But they really don't want to come over and sit and visit. I'm not good at that either. I've gotten better at that as I've gotten older because my, I've got, you know, friends and parents and people who are much older than I am who are getting older. And, and if I don't go there and sit and visit, set a spell, as they say, if I don't do that, I won't see them. So I put the effort into to doing that, but it's not really my best thing, but uh, I do enjoy spending time with people. It's important. But loneliness is a big deal. So there's a book out, Dr. Jeremy Noble. Well, he found a, he's a founder of the Foundation for Art and Healing. He put a book out talking about it. He said there are three types of loneliness, psychological loneliness, social loneliness, and existential loneliness. And I'm not going to read all the details on these particular things. But the thing is, my recommendation for anybody who's lonely, and Dr. Murthy, the Surgeon General, said loneliness occurs when the connections a person needs in life are greater than the connections they have. My recommendation to people, if you can, if you, if you can get out, and not everybody can, I understand, and maybe you don't have a lot of money, and if you don't, I get it, because, you know, let's face it, when times are tough, I don't know about you guys, but so the first thing I cut when times get tough is entertainment. That's out the door. Let's go out to dinner. Uh, nope. <laughs> right? <laughs> no. It's not that I'm not going to be able to pay the mortgage if I go out to dinner. It's just that I'm not going to spend my money on that kind of stuff when times get very tough. And I certainly know what that's like. We Most people do. So I don't, uh, we just go into lockdown mode and just don't do it. And so the problem with that is it's difficult to socialize. Not that you have to spend money or go out to an expensive dinner. I'm not talking about expensive dinners. But it's hard to socialize if you don't want to spend your money at restaurants or you don't want to have people over. And I'm not a big person to have people over. I'll go to somebody's house. Uh, no particularly like entertaining in my own house. But it makes it difficult. And it strains a lot of people. So between the isolation that we all dealt with, with COVID nonsense, and then the isolation of maybe you, you don't want to admit to your friends you just can't afford it. And your friend wants to go to lunch and you know it's going to be, you know, I don't care where you go. I'm not going to mention a place. You know, some chain restaurant is going to cost you 30, 40 bucks for lunch. By the time you get a drink, by the time you get, you know, a sandwich or whatever and a tip, that's what you're out. And some people, for them, that can be a budget buster. And, and they don't want to tell you that they can't afford it or they don't choose to spend their money that way. And it makes it sound to you like they just don't want to see you. And that's not the truth at all. So you can always grab, grab a cup of coffee with somebody. I mean, that's always the way it works. That works well with that. Or, or go meet at the park or something like that with sandwiches. Or I mean, there are ways to work around it, but it makes it difficult. But the most important thing to me 
to eliminate loneliness. And I know there's some people who just flat out treat their parents with such disdain, it's horrendous to me. And I don't understand it. And I know there are parents who deserve it. You know, we used to have a, a friend that we used to go to church with years ago who told my husband, he said, I have five kids and none of them talk to me and I know why. Okay, well, <laughs> that's on you, bud. And obviously he, whatever it was he did, his kids didn't talk to him and he knew he deserved it. So that's part of it. But it seems to me you're going to have to make some kind of an effort to get out there and extend yourself. A lot of people don't like to extend themselves. And they want everybody to come to them, you know, whether it's a social thing or whatever. They, that's what they expect. And the reality is people are busy. And then if you get divorced and you maybe, you know, you, it's, it's hard when you're divorced. I've not been divorced. I've only been married once, still married. But when you get divorced, I know people I've, I've dealt with who've gotten divorced, you lose a lot of your friends because they take sides. They may not want to take sides. They may have loved you both. But all of a sudden, no, but they really have more in common with her, or they really have more in common with him, or whatever. So now you lose those people. And then when you're out there in the world, some of your female friends, if you're a woman, may not want to hang out with you if you're single now because they're worried you're going to take their husbands. Who knows? But what you have to do is you have to build as much of a community as you can, whether it's church. I mean, that's, to me, the best place to do it. And I know some weird things go on at churches, and churches can be weird. You know why? Because they're full of sinners. You know, we're all sinners. You know, so you have to find a church family you feel comfortable with. But you really, to me, the number one way to prevent yourself from being lonely is to have a huge, not necessarily huge, but a good community of people and extend yourself. And during the holiday season, if you have nobody to spend time with, and maybe your friends don't call you and ask you what you're doing, you know, sometimes people don't think to call you. They think, well, she must, she must have somebody she's spending Christmas with. And so they don't think to invite you over. And if you don't have kids or grandkids or you're by yourself, it can be very lonely. So in that case, what I'd recommend people do during this season or any season is get out and volunteer. There's always somebody who needs volunteers. Volunteer at the, at the shelter to feed people during the holidays. If you're healthy enough, I mean, I realize not everybody is. But to me, that's the best way to limit loneliness. When you feel like you're needed and you're participating in the lives of others. And I, a lot of people nowadays want to sit on their phones, sit on their computers, have imaginary relationships with people, you know, that they're never going to meet these people. Sometimes they fleece them. You know, sometimes it's some crazy hacker and, you know, living in Liberia who's taking all your money, uh, these catfish schemes and things like that. But if you get out with real people, you will find that you're less lonely. But a huge part of it, like I said, is you extending yourself and saying, what can I do for somebody else? And there are people in this world who don't really care about doing anything for anybody else. And when that happens, the likelihood of you being lonely is greater, is all I'm saying. So uh, I know it's an epidemic. I get it. It's a huge epidemic problem. And it's actually physically can kill people being lonely. And when you're by yourself, especially men who are alone, they tend to die in higher rates because they don't go to the doctor. You know, they had some symptom and they ignored it. And so it's just good to have community. It's always important to have community. I mean, sure, you get disappointed by people and you get burned by people and all that. I get it. But, I mean, I love my church family. I don't have a big church. I have a small church. But, uh, I, you know, I love my church family. They're great people. And I, uh, you know, I, I couldn't imagine being without them. But, you know, they're all people, too. They're just human beings. Nobody's perfect here. 
So that's my recommendation. That's my prescription if you're lonely. Get out and extend yourself if you can. There's always something you can do. Even if you can't leave the house, maybe you can, you know, volunteer for a phone bank for somebody from your house. I don't know. But if you do that, I think you'll be in better shape. That's all. We want you to be happy and have a great life. Check out the Heidi Harris Show Facebook page, Instagram. I just put that old Christmas card up. You guys will get a kick out of it. I'm Heidi Harris in for Charlie James. Coming right back. Always a privilege sitting in for Charlie James. Can I just tell you guys how much I love filling in at this station? You guys are the best. I mean, word listeners are, okay, should I say that? I shouldn't say that, Will, because I work at another Odyssey station. Okay, I love my home station, but I love you guys just as much. How about that? Does that sound good? <laughs> Excellent. You guys are terrific. Yeah, it's a, there's nice, there's a way to, to frame it, right? The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is always open, 71307, 71307. Hope you're getting some well-deserved time off. All right. I did not know this, Will. I learned something from the Greenville News. What's about that? About what people can do with their Christmas trees after Christmas. Now, most people, I don't know what, what put them on a curb. I don't know. I never knew. Did you know this? That if you put the trees, you give them to the folks at Hartwell and also uh, Thurman Lake, they can put them in the water. Now, I'm talking live trees, dorks, okay? <laughs> Do I have to explain this? Okay, live trees, live trees with no stuff on them, no tinsel or anything, all right? But if you put a live tree, they put these live trees into the lakes, and apparently these trees form little habitats for the fish. I had no idea this was a thing. So that's really, because I, I always thought you just throw them out to the curb and that's that, right? Yeah, but, yeah, that's what I thought. Apparently, these trees and brush provide cover for fish and nursery areas for juvenile fish because some of these lakes don't necessarily have as much area, that kind of thing. What they do is they, um, they're they tied in bundles and they're anchored with concrete blocks so they sink them to the bottom. That's what we do in Vegas and Lake Mead, but it's not for Christmas trees. <laughs> but up, down, pew, rim shot. <laughs> we put them in barrels you know they still haven't figured out who that guy was in the barrel did you hear that story about the guy they found in the barrel i think it was last year no what is is this at uh, lake mead at lake mead yeah what? there's a guy well what's happened is it's the lake has dried up so much that the shoreline is receding drastically all right i think i had heard about that yeah yeah so they found a couple of people, a couple drowning victims where it was just their skeleton and whatnot. Okay. What? Uh, some people they knew had drowned years ago. Years ago. See, my, here's the crazy thing. My dad, when I was a kid, my dad was a certified diver. And back in the day when he did it, there were very few people who could do that. So he would volunteer to go and look for people in Lake Mead who had disappeared. Okay. Because he was kind of an ambulance chaser kind of guy. I, and he told me so many horror stories that when I was a little kid and I learned how to water ski... I'd be sitting there in the water going, I just know one of those bodies is going to come up and touch me. Because there were a bunch down there that never came up. <laughs> right? So I was like, oh, that was how they used to handle problems. Anyway, so uh, there were a couple people they found recently with their skeletons, and they had mostly drowned. I think most of them were drowned. But there was one guy in a barrel. And they, so they pull out the barrel, and they believe that I think it was like late 70s, early 80s, based on his clothing. Uh, that they, they verified they don't know who he is they know it's a guy they don't know anything other than and it was funny because our former mayor in vegas who used to be a defense attorney for the mob said well, he wasn't a mobster they wouldn't wear kmart clothes <laughs> 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 so anyway i digress because i can uh anyway going back to thurman lake all right so what they do is they recycle these trees when people bring them 
They tie them in bundles. They anchor them with concrete blocks. It's kind of like when you have that plant at the bottom of your fish tank. Picture that, if you will, right? <laughs> that will never stay down because it keeps popping up. <laughs> so they put a concrete blocks on them, and then they sink to the bottom, and they create all these uh, habitat areas. I guess Hartwell Lake receives approximately 250 trees each year. I had no idea this was a thing. And apparently at Thurman Lake, residents have been dropping off their trees for more than 30 years. Each year, the lake receives 80 to 1,000 trees. That's great. I had no idea this was a thing. Okay. Anyway, like I said, live trees only, people. Do not bring your fake ones over there. Should I have to explain that? I should not have to explain that. When I was on my trip across country, my husband and I went up to a place in Virginia where these guys were literally... The, the hills were covered with Christmas trees. And, you know, they had some that were two feet tall. And then they had some that were three feet tall and four feet tall. And and they ultimately, I guess, usually take them when they're seven feet tall, according to what the guy told me. But you, you couldn't believe these trucks coming down from the mountains, these mountain roads just loaded with Christmas trees. And I got to talking with the guy because, you know, I like to interview people. So I said to him, I said, so how many trees do you fit on that truck? And he said, 400 trees per truck. And you couldn't believe it. The trucks just boom, 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 one after another. And I said, how many trees? He said, we're going to pull 25,000 trees out of this area alone. 25,000 trees, Will. That's a lot of trees. <laughs> it's a lot of trees. <laughs> and I, I here's what I did know, too. What they do is they get them down, you know, they chop them down, you know, where, where they're growing, obviously. And they obviously they replant the area. But then they put them in the spinner thing, you know, that wipes the tr twine the, around it or whatever, right? They, so they don't get wrecked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then I asked the guy, I said, okay, so you get these trees on the back of the truck. And people who buy Christmas trees, you're always worried about it drying out, right? And I said, well, when do these trees have to be down? He said, they have to be out of the forest here. Well, it's not a forest. It's a farm, tree farm. He said, they have to be out by Thanksgiving. And I said, well, what stops them from drying out? I did not know this. They take these trees and they put them in huge refrigeration units. I don't know if it's trucks or warehouses or probably both, but they refrigerate them immediately and they stay cold and that makes them stay dormant until they go to the Christmas tree lot near you. Did you know that? You, well, you know, I did not know that, but it makes sense because I'm a, a huge music nerd. Uh, so I watched this whole thing on the Stradivarius uh, violins, uh, which is this like just very old, you know, violin. Um, and apparently because of the the way the tree aged, it gave it this, uh, in the music world, we call it timbre or sound right. quality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so because of the way these trees aged, and it was because they aged so slow because they grew in these, uh, oh my goodness, like colder climates. Um, and so, yeah, and they did this whole big study. So that makes sense. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. But that's cool. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It's just one of those things that there, there's so much, depending on where you live in the country and depending on, you know, what you do and, you know, how much agriculture you're around or whatever. There's so many things that we consume every single day that we don't necessarily even know the history on, sort of where they came from. You know, how does it get to this tree lot how does it get from being a little baby seed to getting to this tree lot here i, I was fascinated by that yeah like not to, to come off the point too much but you know it's like look at just everyday items like food you know i right you people don't even know like I, i'm sure there's kids now i think what was it with uh, that guy jamie oliver or whatever 
uh, he did something and was asking kids, oh, where does this come from? And like kids didn't even know where like basic vegetables or. Right. They don't know. Like what's a tree yeah. nut? What's a ground nut? Does a peanut come out of the ground? Does it come off a tree? Right. Uh, you know, uh, honestly, we, when my husband and I drove across country, we drove through, I think it was New Mexico. And there were acres and acres and acres and acres of these huge trees. I think they were pecans. How embarrassing that I didn't know, but they weren't close enough for me to see what was on the ground, right? Right. But uh, I, I don't know. So it's it, it is it's amazing how far we are removed from the actual growth of much of our food, that kind of thing. You know, we we don't want to have to have, kill something ourselves. We'll just I'm not against hunting. I understand hunting serves a great purpose, but. As far as, you know, I just want my meat all packaged nice and neat. I don't want to know the cow it came from because I'd start crying, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just very removed from the whole process of how things work. And I was fascinated because, you know, these guys are were working their butts off chopping these trees down. You, you know, you think you have a tough day at work having to chop down 25,000 trees in a week or so. I don't know how many guys they had up there doing it. I mean, these are the, the jobs that a lot of people don't want to necessarily do. And... Uh, I was impressed with that. I'm, there are a lot of jobs in the world that matter, and, and there's always honor in all kinds of work, that's for sure. I'm Heidi Harris, in for Charlie James. Coming right back. Always a privilege sitting in for the great Charlie James. Charlie returns on Tuesday. So Monday is New Year's Day. So I'll be here Monday, too. I'll be here all week and on Monday. So hoo, 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 right? Charlie gets some time off, which is good, and I get some time with you, which I always love. The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is always open, 71307, 71307. Will and I were just talking about this whole idea of uh, the Christmas trees and donating your old Christmas trees to be used, you know, for the fish. And then we were talking about Christmas trees and where they come from. Obviously, in some places in the country, even here, you can, you know, in the Carolinas, you can cut your own trees. There are places you can go. Um, but there are a lot of people who don't do that. They live in the city. They don't want to drive an hour or two hours. They have no car to put the tree on to bring back anyway, <laughs> or, or not one big enough. Or, And it's amazing how many people are disconnected from what they eat. Now, during the break, I looked and I found a survey. Now, this has been a while. This survey is 2011. To your point, Will, we were talking about uh, what the, the disconnect between people and what they eat. 72% of consumers, according to this survey, know very little or, or nothing about farming or ranching. 69% of consumers think about food production at least somewhat often, but they you know, really don't know. 70% say purchase decisions are affected by how food is grown and raised. But see, they don't really know. That's the whole point. People don't know where the food comes from. They just have no idea. And to that point, this is a little bit of a stretch, but it does kind of uh, connect. I was walking my dog today, and I saw a neighbor who's got a bumper sticker on her car that says, billionaires shouldn't exist. Now, that's one of those Bernie Sanders things, right? Right. And I was thinking about, and I, I know this neighbor a little bit. She's a nice lady. She doesn't know what I do for a living. I have a lot of liberal neighbors. They don't know what I do for a living. And I don't argue with neighbors about politics. I just walk my dog and wave. Okay, that's it, right? I don't want to get into it with people. I don't want to know where I live. So. <laughs> but the billionaire shouldn't exist. When I saw that bumper sticker, my first thought was, I'll bet you she works on a computer that was, wait for it, made by a company owned by a billionaire right 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 phone in her hand probably wait a minute the guy who created that a billionaire right i mean (laughs) brother you know when they say that something like that i i just 
talk about being disconnected from a product. You know, like we're disconnected from farming. If you're not a farm kind of kid, you don't know where these things come from. But a man, talk about being disconnected. You, who do you think is going to make these products that you use every day? The computer, the you know, whether it's the the appliances that you wash your clothes with, the phone, your car. Who do you think creates these things? Very smart people who benefit long term from the sale of their products. Who sometimes become, wait for it, billionaires. <laughs> I mean, yet I didn't want to get into it with her. I didn't even see her. I just saw the car and laughed. But you have to ask yourself, what, what's your plan, lady? I mean, if, if the world were perfect in your eyes, what would it look like? Would nobody be rich? And how much money would you have? And by the way, I got to tell you this, you know, I don't live in a fancy neighborhood at all. But, you know, middle class neighborhood. But you know how many people don't live in a middle class neighborhood? How many people in, in my city, in everybody's city, does not live in a middle class neighborhood who would give anything to live in her house that she has? They'll never own a house in their lives. They'll never have a car. Uh, you know, they're just not going to have these things. And so should everybody have what she has? I mean, <laughs> you can't even, you can't even deal with these people. You really can't. This idea that no one should be a billionaire. So then we should all make how much money per year? 50000 100000 25000 What's the number? Because we know, and I've talked about this numerous times on Charlie's show, we know what's happening. They're trying to kill the middle class. Little by little by little by little. And, you know, taking big leaps to do so. I was getting to the point in a lot of states where you have the very wealthy people and you have everybody who cleans their house and mows their lawns. And that's pretty much it. It's very difficult for the middle class to survive anymore. It's just about impossible for a middle class family to survive on one income. It can be done, but it's very, very hard between uh, all the things you have to do as a parent and you know, feeding your kids and God forbid you want a private school education for your child, which, you know, you should be entitled to take the money that your child is assigned in each, each state. There should be freedom uh, for education. But, you know, it, it's just terrible what's happening to the middle class. There just is a constant, constant attack on the middle class. And, uh, and they, they make it worse every day. And, and so these people who were talking about billionaires shouldn't exist. I mean, well, who, somebody's going to have to have more. I don't know how it's going to work out. Somebody's going to have to have more. But the people like Bernie Sanders, they're always going to have more. They're going to have what they want to have. He may look like a schlump, but I guarantee he's got a few bucks put away somewhere. The, they're going to have this. I'm putting my hand up in the air here. And you're going to be way down here. And there's going to be no pesky middle class. That is what they want to do. Because the middle class is a recent thing in human history. You know, for, for a very long time, there were peasants and there was the elite. And that's it. You, you, you know, the elite people were there. And, and then you. you, you worked their land. You were peasants. There was no middle class. We don't want to hear what you have to say. You can't buy anything. You know, you can't make decisions because you are under our thumb. And they can't stand it that they can't control the middle class. That's what makes them crazy. So they're constantly trying to squish you in every way they possibly can. But for someone to ride around with a bumper sticker, by the way, bumper sticker on her car that says billionaires shouldn't exist when there are people who will never own a car. Drive around town and there are people who would give anything to drive her ratty old car. Just to have a car is a dream they can never even imagine. And she, but, you know, but I've got mine. Oh, I see. So people shouldn't, billionaires shouldn't exist, but you still want to have more than that person who lives a few miles away in that neighborhood that's not quite desirable, right? That's where you want to make sure you have yours, right? You can't even deal with these people. You can't even argue with them because that doesn't make sense. 
That's how it is. All right, coming up, we'll talk a little Nikki Haley. I'm Heidi Harris, in for Charlie James. Follow me, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Heidi Harris Show, Heidi Harris Show, Heidi Harris Show. Coming right back. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.